but I will not be young one day and my body will change. I want to be able to be present in my current body and respect what I've been given in regards to my health and therefore just continue to pour into that. That's what, that's my why. Hi, and welcome to the Girl Who Can podcast. I'm so, so happy you're here. It's time for you to remember that you are the girl who is valuable, inspiring, and deserves to live in the confidence that is uniquely yours. Because my friend, you are the girl who can, but we're also not a place that expects or promises perfection because striving and hustling for the perfect looking life, one, doesn't exist, and two, will rob you of who you were created to be. So stick around and let me remind you of how to be the girl who can with who you already are. In this podcast, we have conversations that inspire you to be productive, stay rooted in purpose, but also learn how to embrace the imperfection that is just part of the journey and remember that you're not alone in that. So hi, I'm Arissa, registered dietitian by trade, but most importantly, your friend, and I've made it my mission to live and share with you the importance of working hard, but also resting well. So I invite you to be the girl who shows up for herself as we get into today's episode. Hello, my friends. What is up? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode. If you're a returning listener, but welcome. If you are new around here, my name's Arissa. I'm your host. Hopefully you didn't skip through the intro and learned a little bit about me, but I'm excited to be here with you today. Whether you are new or returning, we are all friends here on this show in this space. Um, I'm, I'm excited to record this episode today. It's going to be a little bit of a deep dive into my world as a dietitian. I don't think I've ever recorded an episode just directly focused on health, nutrition. For those of you who are new, if you did skip the intro, I'm a dietitian. I've been a registered dietitian for about five, over five years now, which is crazy. Time just flies and I absolutely love what I do. I currently help only women no shade to the guys. I just love connecting with women. Clearly, I have a podcast called The Girl Who Can, but I work specifically with women, just helping empower them and improve their relationship with food and nourish their bodies of what that means to them and just help them reach some goal, their goals. I specifically work in like the fat loss industry, um, muscle development. I just, that's my world and I love it so much. So what prompted me to want to record this is for those of you who are have been here for a while, y'all know I am getting married. I'm getting married in less than two months. I'm leaving to my bachelorette when this comes out in t- tomorrow. <laughs> for those of you who are listening to this, when it comes out on Wednesday, I'm leaving to my bla- bachelorette tomorrow. So send your prayers that I make it out alive. But we're going to Cabo and I'm, yeah, I'm getting married in two months. Just so, so exciting. And it's crazy that, yeah, we're actually approaching the one month mark and just very excited to marry my best friend. But being in the world right now of planning a wedding, there is a lot of pressure to uh, look perfect, on the day, you know, and I am all about the self-care and making sure my skin routine's on point, making sure my nutrition's on point. Obviously, it's my world and what I enjoy doing, but there's a lot of pressure. I have even clients who are um, currently getting married, and there's a lot of pressure to be 
look your best. And I think when we define looking your best, it means being smaller or being a certain size or being able to fit into your dress, aka being smaller. And I am definitely subject to this narrative. Yes, I'm a dietitian. And yes, I can take inventory of my thoughts of what is truth and what is a lie. And I know what is healthy and nourishing my body and my relationship to food. But I have bad body image days. Like, I'm not immune to that just because I'm a dietitian and I also help people with these things. Um, I don't think it's also wrong to have aesthetic goals for sure. There's nothing wrong with that, but when that is your only focus, that is your only outcome to be a certain size and that equals happiness, that's where we got to reevaluate things. And I think in the, in the wedding industry, the bride industry, there's a lot of pressure, um, to lose weight and not that people explicitly ask. It's just almost like, oh, I'm on, I'm on a wedding diet or I'm going to lose 10 pounds before I get to the wedding. And really it, it's sad. It really is sad because we shouldn't have to waste one single second of a very special and exciting time worrying about if we're going to be able to shrink ourselves to a desired size in a certain time frame. Um, a lot of people, unfortunately, can do this in a very unhealthy way. And this feeds into being so fixated on the outcome. You don't care how you get there. It's just for the outcome. And it's one freaking day. I get it. The pictures are going to be forever looked at. Like I said, I am subject to falling into this narrative. Um, And it's just a really scary place Seeing it from, you know, as a professional, as a dietitian, it is a very scary place for a lot of girls to be in who don't have a a good relationship with food or are very um, negative towards themselves and their bodies. And this isn't just for a wedding. It could be maybe you're going to a wedding or maybe you're going on a vacation. Like we're constantly working towards an outcome for a vacation or a wedding versus long-term? What about your life? What about your longevity? It's just a very twisted and toxic narrative that I think I have noticed in regard to like being a bride and yeah, that whole space. But you know, it's just a constant reminder to myself that my wedding day is not about how I look. Does not matter what people think about what I look on my wedding day. It's really about, yes, I want to look good a hundred percent. Like I, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look on your wedding day. You should, you should feel confident and you should feel like your best self. Um, but your wedding day is about celebrating you and your best friend, two people coming together, committing to one another. And that's why people are showing up. They're not showing up to see how small you look in the wedding dress. They're coming to celebrate you. Hopefully you're inviting people that are coming to celebrate you and want the best for you, no matter what you're, what you look like. But despite all of that, um, as an RD, people ask me constantly if it's exhausting trying to be like healthy all the time. They're like, Arissa, how do you do it? Like, is it like a job for you being that you're a dietitian and like, how on earth are you able to quote, keep this up? Um, in regards to living a healthy lifestyle. And honestly, I am not trying. Like, I don't know if that sounds like a subtle flex, or but like I genuinely enjoy 
doing what feels good for my body and for my energy. And it's because I am not outcome focused. I am doing this for my beyond the outcome, doing it for my future. I want to keep my body healthy. So then I want to, God willing, be a mom one day and raise kids, grow old, be able to keep up with them, be vibrant, be energized, be confident. As my body continues to change as I get older, I completely understand and am very neutral about the fact that, yeah, I'm young now, but I will not be young one day and my body will change. I want to be able to be present in my current body and respect what I've been given in regards to my health and therefore just continue to pour into that. That's what, that's my why. It's not about um, having my arms look really toned in my wedding dress or having abs. I want to also enjoy foods. I am somebody who, when we go travel, I'm constantly looking at, up at restaurants. Like I am a foodie. I want to enjoy. I don't want to be restricted. And that's a part of health to me as well. Um, the enjoyment and satisfaction that that food brings me. So yeah, I just want to, I want to be present. I want to feel strong and I want to feel alive. And that goes far beyond my wedding day. And even though it goes far beyond my wedding day, it applies to what I do on a day-to-day basis. I mean, just even sitting here right now in front of the microphone, I don't know how I would be able to do this podcast, feel creative, feel sharp at my work. And when I sit down here and talk to you guys, if my energy was low and a hundred percent for sure, I have those days where I don't want to do anything. I feel like a slug where I'm in a slump and I but I know why it's might be because I don't get good sleep or I haven't felt like cooking in a while or I don't get in enough water. Like I am a human. I am not saying that I am perfect and I cross off my eye, my T's and dot my eyes with in regards to my nutrition. Not at all. I am human and I have bad days, bad seasons that I go through as well. But the difference is, is I feel it when those things go to the wayside. And because that doesn't feel good, I don't allow myself to stay there because I do want to feel good. I want to feel energized. I know I, I know I perform better and I'm happier at the end of the day. I mean, who doesn't want to feel energized and happy? And really it comes back down to your foundations. We're so quick um, in this society to like jump to a supplement or jump to whatever the influencer is doing or take a pill, whatever, fill in the blank. If it's a quick fix, if it promises something super quick, most likely that's a red flag. Don't do it. Don't take it. But I really want to get into a few things with you guys regarding your health. Like I said, I really haven't done a deep dive like this on the podcast before. And each of these things that I feel like I'm going to talk about could really be its own podcast episode on its own. But um, it's time y'all get a, a peek into my world. So before I get into it, obviously my credibility, I'm a dietitian, been a dietitian for five years. This is not medical advice. I'm just here sharing my experiences and also what I know in regards to evidence-based practice, but we're really just going to be going over basics in regards to foundations for your health, your longevity, and to really feed into your energy as well and empower you to hopefully take some nuggets out of this. Um, 
and either talk to your doctor about it, see if it's something you can incorporate within your lifestyle or work with a professional. I encourage you to work with a professional in regards to your nutrition. If you feel like you're struggling, if you feel like you don't know where to start, there's so, so much information out there and it can be very hard to know what's best for you. And really you are uniquely and wonderfully made. Your gut is individual, your lifestyle is individual, and a meal plan often does not work because you and your schedule are very unique. I'm not somebody that believes in meal plans, um, set workout things, you know, like you need, you might need something that is specific to you. And that's what a coach, someone like myself or a dietitian can do for you. So yes, small tangent on that. But what I want to talk about first is how you eat can make or break your energy levels. We are all wanting more energy throughout the day. And that doesn't come from a can of Celsius or an energy drink. Although I do have Celsius, it's a bit like a treat for me, like once a week. Um, I don't, I feel like caffeine doesn't even affect me. I just kind of do it for the experience, but (laughs) that's another story. But how you eat can make or break your energy levels. And I'm really talking about the timing of meals. And no, I'm not talking about do intermittent fasting or fast for two days and then eat. Um, The timing of meals. So starting from the beginning of the day, when you wake up, your cortisol levels are the highest. And cortisol is the stress hormone. And it plays a crucial role in regulating various body functions, including metabolism, your immune response, and even like your sleep-wake cycles, like the circadian rhythm. But your cortisol level stress hormone is at the highest point in the morning. So what I see a lot of times is girls, women skipping breakfast. And you know when your mom tells you, oh, you should eat breakfast, like it's the most important meal of the day? She wasn't wrong, okay? Breakfast, skipping breakfast can actually further heighten this level of cortisol within your body. And we don't want a continued elevated um, level of cortisol in the body. So having some sort of nutrition in the morning about an hour before you wake up can be super beneficial. It can be helpful for regulating your hunger cues. And I get it. Some people aren't hungry in the morning and I'm not saying force feed yourself, but even if it's something small, or if it's easier to drink like a protein shake, I am a full advocate of getting nutrition in from food first. So something like a hard boiled egg, a piece of toast with avocado, you can sprinkle some like red pepper flakes on it. I've seen sea salt, um, even honey on there. So those are simple things. But what I also encourage you to prioritize in the morning is protein, because this can help satiate you, keep you fuller longer as you go throughout the day. Because what I see very often is people skipping breakfast and then showing up to lunch super hungry. And that's where it can be really hard to manage things like portion control, your hunger cues, you might be snacking mindlessly, or like you might have that larger meal at lunch and then you feel bloated, you might have overate, you might get an energy slump because the carb intake was super high um, in your lunchtime, digestion might be impacted. So 
I'm not saying you need to have breakfast, but really just start thinking about your current routines and prioritize it. Whether it's a snack, you don't view it as breakfast. Um, Maybe you just view it as a snack in the morning. Just trying to prioritize that for your hormonal health and also just understanding the awareness of the portions of your meals as that can, skipping breakfast can impact that as well. And also we think about the morning, um, coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker, fun fact, and it's not for like health reasons. I just actually don't enjoy the taste of coffee. People look at me like I'm psycho and I probably am, but I just don't like the taste of coffee. Tyler and I were actually on a walk this morning and he had coffee with him and he was like, try it. And he always tries to get me to try his coffee and says it's going to taste different, but it, I just don't like it bitterness. I have been told that not liking coffee means that I'm a super taster. So maybe I can apply to be on the Food Network show. (laughs) That would be really cool because I love their jobs and I love eating. So maybe I'm a super taster. Fun fact. I'm not sure if that's true or not. But anyways, I digress. Coffee in the morning. A lot of you guys are coffee drinkers and that's completely fine. But are you drinking coffee before you drink water? Did I just call you out? please drink water (laughs) before you have anything else in the morning. I don't care if it has lemon in it. I don't care if it's mixed with apple cider vinegar. Just please drink some water before you have any sort of coffee. Delayed caffeine can be really helpful for that cortisol level that I was mentioning in the morning when it's highest. And It's also worth noting that excessive coffee consumption um, or even like if you're somebody who has uh, coffee more than two cups a day or you have it at 3 p.m., you're like really itching to have it or you're having energy drinks every single day, um, this can disrupt your sleep pattern because consuming coffee too close to bedtime and coffee has a half-life, meaning how quickly it gets rid in the body. So coffee has a half-life of like eight up to 12 hours. Everybody's so different. Some people six hours, but if you're having coffee at like, um, or an energy drink, uh, even, um, like Diet Cokes, dark sodas have caffeine. This can disrupt your sleep pattern, which then disrupts the way cortisol is playing a role in your sleep-wake cycle. So consuming coffee too close to bedtime can interfere with your body's ability to wind down and actually enter that deep, restful sleep, leading to potential sleep disturbances. If you're somebody, maybe you wake up like at 3 a.m., that's the cortisol um, hormone just starting to get a little bit out of whack as well. So really paying attention to trying to delay your caffeine and also taking note of the timing of your caffeine later on in the day. Um, Try not to have it after 12 p.m. is like a good general rule that I like to stick to um, just to make sure, like I said, you have, you're giving your body the chance to wind down and actually enter restful sleep, which sleep is a whole nother topic in itself, which we'll get into in a second. But um, yes, And in regards to meal timing as well, I know I'm talking about a lot of like timing of, yeah, have a breakfast in the morning. I'm not saying you need to have rigid times with your meals. Like when I say that, I mean, you don't need to eat at 10 a.m. and then 12 p.m. and then 5 p.m. and have a snack at 8 p.m. Like, no, 
you if you want to and that works for you and that's when you notice your body is naturally getting hungry for sure but um going five plus hours without eating is not going to make for a pleasant experience so if you that is you right now maybe starting to give yourself a window of times um to begin having regular meals is foundational to having a well-rounded um, balanced diet and also practicing mindfulness and portion control so next thing we're going to talk about is what we talked about like how you eat in regards to timing and regular meal consumption is going to be important um, but what you eat obviously within that can make or break your energy levels as well so this is going to sound really basic but it's very simple in regards to the information. A lot of times we're we're always looking at like what's the most complicated thing, what's the next diet fad, intermittent fasting, paleo, and the pH levels in our body, all this stuff. And you know, really think about if your foundations are in place first. Um, what you eat can make or break your energy levels. So when you think about regular meals that we just talked about, inside of those, having a balanced diet that includes a combination of carbs proteins, healthy fats can provide you sustained energy throughout the day. So having regular meals and then having a balanced plate that is centered around protein, you add in some carbs and you add in some healthy fats. And when we break this down a little bit further, uh, carbs in regards to having your carbs be a majority complex. So things that include fibers could be whole grains, fruits, veggies, beans, legumes. Um, these foods have fiber, which are excellent for gut health and they're slow digesting. So with that, they're, you're able to maintain healthy blood sugar um, levels stable throughout the day and also help keep you satiated throughout the day, meaning keeping you fuller um, and therefore preventing things like energy crashes. So that's on carbs. Yes, you can have white rice. Yes, you can have um, white bread. You know, that's fine if that's what you enjoy, but thinking about including a variety, including different whole grains, including different veggies, including different fruits. Um, And next is protein. Protein is so, so important, especially as one gets older. You know, this is how this, having a higher protein diet can really help obviously maintain your hunger levels by keeping you satiated. It can help preserve your lean muscle mass. Like after women turn 30, their bone density and muscle mass starts to decline. So by maintaining a high level of protein um, as you are taking care of your body is going to be key and just getting this to be a habit. Having this come from food first is beneficial. A lot of times we see like the protein powders, the protein bars. Well, I think those are great. They're supplements. They're supplements to your diet. And you might be asking, okay, Arissa, how much protein should I have? Good question. A rule of thumb I like to go by is 0.7 grams to one gram per pound of body weight. Um, so this can look different for everybody and that's why working with a coach is really important. So then you can get, um, exactly a number that is 
meant for you. And this can be influenced by like your GI health, your digestive health. Some people um, can't process like a higher protein diet. So it might be like the types of protein as well, how you're cooking it, um, a lot of different things. So you are unique and that is okay as well. So building your plate around protein, important. Lean sources can be beneficial for heart health, chicken, turkey, fish, also um, from plant sources like edamame. I've been on a kick on lately. Having them um, dried, like crunchy has been just game changing. There's a, like a sriracha one out there that I am from Costco and sold. I'm going to, that's going to be a staple in my diet. It's a really good um, snack, but yes, next is fats and avocados, nuts, seeds, olive oil, avocado oil, all of these heart healthy sources can provide sustained energy, support your brain health, and fats also take longer to digest. So this can help you feel full and satisfied, not saying have a fat forward meal at all times, but having it included within your plate is necessary and essential because fats are also necessary for the production of the regulation of hormones. And these hormones that they're in charge of are related to things like reproductive health um, and influence the regulation of estrogen and progesterone, which are super important for women's health. And these hormones are synthesized from cholesterol, which is a fat. So that's why fats are important and having an adequate fat intake helps maintain that healthy hormonal balance. So crucial, crucial for us girls, us women for our menstrual cycles, our menstrual regularity, and just overall reproductive health. So don't, don't skip out on the fats, eat your avocado. I think we're all like in that avocado phase all the time, (laughs) Um, but yes, get a variety as well. I've been really big into um, ground flaxseed lately. They are an excellent, excellent source of omega-3s. I just found I wasn't having a lot of fish lately. Um, I don't know why. I just never, we never really cook fish at home. And so I was, I started adding ground flaxseed to my oatmeal and to my yogurt. And it does not change the taste at all. It is fantastic. I'll add about a tablespoon or two a day. And that's how I'm able to sneak it in there. Um, And ground flaxseed is a lot more bioavailable to the body or like a flaxseed oil than the seed itself, like the whole seeds. Um, It's the whole seeds itself are going to be hard for your body to naturally digest. And then you can get all those great benefits. So getting them ground is great. Um, But also I wanted to talk about simple changes in your diet right now that you can start doing like today or tomorrow to benefit your hormones. Um, And that is start including variety. So I mentioned this before in the past like 15 minutes that I've been talking, but starting to include something new on your grocery list when you go. Starting small, setting a small goal can go a long way, you guys. A lot of times I see this a lot in the overwhelm. Like there's so much overwhelm. We see all these like influencers making these things and we recipes, they look good. And while I think that is great, you got to start with what you're, you're familiar with and then add on to that. Don't go to the grocery store and buy a million different things if you don't know what you're going to do with it or if you're going to make one recipe once. I think that's great to like get in the kitchen and get it experimental. But sometimes what I see is like you people get a lot of different veggies and then 
it goes bad in the fridge, they feel bad, they feel like they wasted money, they don't buy it again because they don't know what to do with it. So when I say start including variety, start small, like buying um, that ground flaxseed that I had mentioned and include it in things that you're already eating. So you're starting to kind of just slowly weave things into what you are doing. That is a more sustainable approach than trying to change your entire diet quality at once, because that can be really overwhelming and um, might just be setting you up for a bit of failure. So variety, maybe including various forms of fish, salmon, tuna, ahi, um, in regards to fats, chia seeds, walnuts, flax seeds, um, these things can all support like inflammation control and hormone regulation. Um, I talked a little bit about fiber rich foods, trying to get a variety of fiber sources. So veggies, fruits, whole grains, different kinds of beans, um, also fibers found in, um, the whole grain carbs. So things like whole wheat bread, um, quinoa, I just picked up um, millet and I don't think I've ever cooked with millet, but I just, a variety. I'm trying different things and just seeing if I like it. And if you don't like a certain veggie that you pick up, it's okay. We move on. Try something else. There are so many different ones to choose from, but as you're beginning to experience and try new things, take note of what you do like. So then when you're in those stressful weeks, you can go back to these rotational staples and have them in your um, environment to set you up for success. And really including variety um, can be really, really helpful for supporting your gut health um, because we want to be able to build up our gut health and that's done by having a diverse diet because each food has different components, different nutrition profiles and fibers that will feed on the bacteria that are living in our gut. And bacteria is good in the gut. There's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria, but having a diverse um, array of foods that you're bringing in um, can be helpful that we do need in our gut, the, the different varieties of bacteria. We And we want to build up that bacteria by having variety. So then the gut can tolerate different things. And when your gut is able to tolerate different things, this adds to your quality of lifestyle, your ability to socialize, your ability to go out to dinner, your ability to have fun. Um, because, you know, when I feel like gut health, you know, has a big buzz around it of like eliminate gluten, eliminate dairy, eliminate, well, I don't know, fill in the blank. And there are situations, I'm not discrediting this, there are situations where you might be sensitive to certain foods or you might have an allergy that's a different topic of conversation and you might need to walk through something like an elimination diet with a professional um so taking inventory if yes you do have um poor gut health and how you know you have poor gut health you're having bloating indigestion reflux diarrhea and those things can be a byproduct of so 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 many things um but you know have including variety if you are somebody who wants to just diversify your gut microbiome can be really important that starts with um prioritizing whole foods and having a variety of them to build up that that gut bacteria um, but yes, the whole like elimination diet, if you are experiencing poor health, gut health, that's like a different thing that I'm not talking about right now, but maybe we will talk about that in the future. Um, 
in regards to gut health, I think what we hear a lot is uh, like probiotics, prebiotics, and that it also is another is another podcast episode or another topic of conversation as well. Um, but kind of just basics here, including probiotic-rich foods like yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi to promote a healthy gut microbiome is linked to hormone balance, linked to regularity. And on that note, it is important to be regular in your gut health. And when I say regular is like how you're going to the bathroom. As a dietitian, I talk about poop very often with my clients. It is not an uncomfortable situation um, or topic of conversation to have because we all do it. And this is a sign of either poor or good gut health. So if you are not going to the bathroom regular, meaning like regularly, meaning like once a day, um, at least once a day, then this could be a sign, a red flag that your gut health is might be poor. And again, so many different things can influence this. But, you know, if you are not regular and you're maybe going to the bathroom one or two to three times a week, like that's uncomfortable. And first, I'm sorry that you're experiencing that, but there's a section in the large intestine that makes up our microbiome. Um, and this section is directly related to the amount of estrogen that our body holds onto and gets rid of. So if you think about it, like if there are backups, if you are not going to the bathroom and you are not releasing what needs to be released, there could be imbalances that are going to directly impact your hormone balance, the symphony of hormones that are going on your body, which then can influence things like your energy levels, your mood, your sleep, disrupt those things. So yeah, take inventory of your gut health. And again, working with a professional can be really helpful to just assess because we're all made up of the million, billions, trillions of different bacteria going on in our gut. And that is a beautiful thing, but it can be a bit of a puzzle. So um, yeah, working with a professional can be super helpful in that. But when you think about gut health as well, what influences our gut health? Stress, what you eat, medication, alcohol, all of these things and more can disrupt the integrity or like the barrier of the gut, um, what keeps it strong. And so how do we support our gut health? Obviously staying mindful of those things, our stress, what we're eating, which we're talking about, medication, talking to your doctor about if this might be influencing your gut health, your alcohol consumption. Are you having alcohol every night? Are you having it in moderation? You know, these things cause inflammation in your gut, which then can impact digestion, leading to bloating, diarrhea, constipation, all that jazz. So some key things that you can start doing right now to support your gut health. One, being mindful with your food. A lot of us are very busy, are very, very busy, and we feel like we don't have time to eat outside of our desk. We might be like shoving food in our mouths while watching, even like while we're, you're watching TV. Maybe you're scrolling while you're eating. You are watching Netflix while you're eating, and we don't give ourselves the opportunity to actually be present and mindful with what you're eating. I'm guilty of this. This is actually something that I'm currently working on, but I can be somebody who is like, yeah, eating at my desk. I'm working at my desk and I go make lunch and then I go scroll and watch a YouTube video, whatever the case may, 
be, but actually being present with your food can help turn on that parasympathetic nervous system, which then helps support healthy digestion. Because if you think if you're eating in a state of stress, um, meaning like on the go, you're shoving food in your mouth really quickly, just trying to like check that box off of like eating, your body really isn't paying attention or putting the energy towards digesting the food. Your fight or flight, the sympathetic nervous system is turned on, which is a fight or flight, and it makes it really hard to have proper digestion, which can lead to bloating. So just being more mindful with your food. That would be number one. And also managing stress. There are so many different things that are individual to you that you might be going through in regards to um, your, your stress in your life. But having a handle on this or trying to prioritize how you manage stress in um, healthy coping mechanisms, whether that's talking to a counselor or talking to a therapist, talking to a friend, going on a walk, meditating, journaling, these things can be game-changing in your gut health. A lot of times we want to take a probiotic supplement. We want to take a greens powder. We want to eat certain foods. And while those things can be supplemental, we got to focus on what the foundations are that might be the biggest domino in improving your health and improving your gut health. That is managing your stress and is often, often the hardest as well. So that's why we don't pay attention to that. (laughs) And so, um, here to tell you to pay attention to it. And being in a chronic state of stress is also disruptive, not only to your gut health, but your hormones. Um, It can influence your overall productivity, energy, and just overall health because being in a chronic state of stress activates that body's fight or flight response, as I mentioned, when we are not present with our meals. And this could... lead to the release of that stress hormone like cortisol. And cortisol is good in our body. Like our body naturally produces it and we do need it to live. But over time, persistent stress and a heightened level of this cortisol is not something that we want. And one of the last things I want to talk about is sleep for your overall health. I'm not like a sleep expert. I'm not a sleep coach. Um, But this is foundational for your health because when you don't get enough sleep, and when I say don't get enough, I'm talking like less than six hours of sleep, adults should get seven to eight hours of sleep. That is the optimal range for you to function um, appropriately as you go throughout the day and feel your best. So when you don't get enough sleep, the hormone ghrelin is the hunger hormone, and this hormone when you don't get enough sleep, your body tends to produce more of this, more of that hunger hormone, which means leading to an increase in your appetite and cravings for more than often, more higher calorie um, foods, those sweets, the salty things, because we're also tired and we might be hangry. So we're just kind of reaching for what's quick and what's convenient. So really, really encouraging you to Think about your sleep hygiene because a lack of sleep can increase your cravings, can increase calorie consumption, which then leads to overall um, weight management. And that the lack of sleep will negatively influence that. So um, ways that you can sleep that makes you feel like the girl who can. Think about your sleep hygiene. This means are you 
looking at your phone, watching Netflix, scrolling Instagram, scrolling TikTok in bed while you, right before you go to sleep, or you're sleeping with the TV on, really encouraging you to try and reduce that stimulation as much as you can. Whether that's setting a timer for yourself to not be on your phone 30 minutes before bedtime, and then maybe you boost it up to an hour. That's an option. Another option, um, blue light glasses, if you have an iPhone, I have like the night, what's it called? The night mode. It's in like the screen settings and I think it's like the nighttime mode. So it eliminates a blue light. I have that on 24 seven. So trying to eliminate that stimulation as much as you can. Having a dark room can be important. Being in a cold room, not like freezing, but just a cool comforting room. Some people like like a heat, um, not heated, uh, weighted, a weighted blanket. That can be really helpful. Also, morning light exposure is amazing for sleep regulation. So getting some sort of natural light in your eyes as soon as you wake up can be so helpful to reset that circadian rhythm. Um, And so then you are naturally going to get tired and your body is going to produce that melatonin hormone. Um, in the evening, which then will make you tired to then fall asleep quicker and be in that deep sleep and have uh, quality sleep. So getting some sort of natural light in the morning can really help influence your sleep patterns and sleep quality. I, even if it's like, I, sometimes I, I will like to, I like to go on a walk in the morning and get some natural light exposure in my eyeballs. But if I don't have time for that, or I woke up a little late, I will literally stand next to a window and just get some sun on my face. Um, So then I am still prioritizing that. And if it's like two minutes, five minutes, I mean, it, it really is game changing. So this was a longer episode, but I hope this helped you a bit. If this is something you're curious about, I am just super passionate clearly about this space of health. And really, yes, we talk about different things on this show in regards to productivity and boundaries and just all the ups and downs of life. But these things in regards to health are really foundational. You know, like you aren't able to show up for yourself and let alone others if you don't have things in place and feel energy, feel confident within your health. And and this really is um, key to feeling like your best, most confident self. And I want that for you. So I appreciate you for making it to the end of the episode. Clearly, this is important to you. And as I mentioned, working with somebody can be super helpful and important to the clarity of your journey and really be game changing. So let me know if this is something that you want additional help with. Follow me over on social media at the girl who can podcast at Aris Lujano. I am a dietitian, so I can help you out. Even if it's not that, if you learn something, take a screenshot of this episode, post it in your stories, start a conversation with a friend and start chatting about your health and what you guys are going to do and hold each other accountable for it. And if you enjoyed this episode, it means the world to me. If you could leave a review over on Apple podcast or wherever you're listening, it means the world to me regardless, but I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the week and we will chat next week when I'm back from my bachelorette. Hopefully I survive. Send your prayers. 